FBI Radio. You're tuned into FBI Radio. This is Mornings with Eddie, and it's just rolled past 10 on a Thursday. And that means it's time for Down to Earth with Professor Kurt Iverson. Hello. Hey. Uh, so, we're talking fast trains and night trains, alternatives to alternatives to flying between uh, cities in Australia. I was about to say something like, and no planes. Yeah, no planes. <laughs> That's good. That all rhymes. Uh, Fast trains, slow trains, no planes. If this is your first time listening, Kurt Iverson is Associate Professor of Urban Geography at University of Sydney. And this is a piece where we talk about how we make our cities fairer and more sustainable. And one of the ways is trains. Is that right, Kurt? Well, yeah. Uh, and really, flying seems to be one of those things at the moment that rightly is starting to receive a lot more attention in our discussions about climate change mm-hmm. and carbon emissions, um, particularly if we're going to meet that challenge that the Intergovernmental Panel on Climate Change has set for us globally, that we're going to have to like make drastic cuts in emissions over the next 10 years or so. So... Flying, global aviation accounts for about two to three percent of like you know human induced carbon emissions. But the thing is, air traffic is actually like growing at a crazy rapid rate. All those cheap flights, all those new airlines. So if we're not careful, anyone can fly. Oh, I know. So it's kind of like if current air traffic growth continues at the rate it is, it's going to double by 2030, which is like totally the opposite direction we need it to be going in for that climate change challenge. I'm blaming Kentucky. Yep. Kentucky. <laughs> all those like weekend package tours that people are doing all over Europe, you're just sort of popping down from London to, you know, some island in yep. the Mediterranean for a weekend and popping and back. shit on it and leave. Yeah. But it's also, I think it's sort of like it's partly tourism, but it's also partly just the way that even you can see like work in a sort of globalised planet starting to change as well. And there's a lot more people just travelling all over the place with work. So what are we going to do about it? Yeah, time is different now. Yeah, exactly. Mm. And it's just been interesting that you can sort of see just in the sort of, you know, the zeitgeist at the moment, like, you know, Greta Thunberg, the Swedish school climate striker, she just did a big tour of Europe talking to politicians. She did a Euro the, trip. Yep, did a Euro <laughs> trip, but, you know, caught the train everywhere. Yeah. Um, there's all this sort of popular discussion of papers popping up about no-fly holidays. There's even in Sweden a kind of flight shame movement starting to happen. So uh, in my, like, industry of academia, there's all these um, pushes to do sort of flightless academia where people are flying around the world a bit less for conferences to talk about, like, climate change and sustainability. Yeah, ridiculous. Exactly. So, yeah, you know, um, that's the kind of context for a discussion about, like, what's going on with alternatives to flying. So that is what is happening um, a long long ship away when a short flight (laughs) in Europe. Oh no. What's happening in Australia? Well, yeah. So, this is the thing. If you look at places like Europe where this issue is coming up, like in France, for example, there's a group of politicians that are basically trying to ban flights that are, that basically, if you can take a train that would only take like one to two hours more than the flight would actually take you in a domestic flight, they're basically saying, we just shouldn't let those flights happen. We should force people onto the trains which is not an unreasonable thing because actually the emissions from trains are a whole lot less. And potentially, if we're talking about electric trains and we're running them off renewables, it could be like zero emissions for all that travel. But like you tried to apply something like that to Australia. Mm. Yeah, 
interesting, right? We don't quite have that sort of fast train network that, uh, you know, places like China and Europe and Japan and elsewhere have. What do we have? Well, exactly. So what have we got? Well, um, if we've got coaches yeah. and we've got slow trains, it's effectively what we've got here right now, right? So for a trip for, say, something like Sydney to Canberra, actually it's getting to the point where the coach is kind of time-wise and cost-wise almost more effective than a plane. Because, mm. you know, if you factor in the time that it takes you to get to the airport, to check in, to wait around for the flight, and then to arrive at Canberra Airport and make your way into the city, compared to, you know, central to central bus, which also takes about, you know, between three and four hours, then it's okay. kind of like almost an equivalent thing, right? So lots more people are shifting onto the coach yeah, uh, and to a lesser extent the train for that. But when we start to talk about, say, Sydney to Melbourne, which is like, the I think, about the fifth busiest domestic like route across the planet. It's like a super busy flying route. Lots of people flying it every day. Um, the comparison between the planes and the alternatives there is like... Huge. Yeah. So And I'm guessing can... there's uh, a lot of those people that are doing those flights, taking up the week flights would be for work. Yeah, yeah. So heaps of it is business travel, like people that are just like down and back for a day, which you can kind of do. Um, if you're doing it on the plane, like it's a long day, but you can do it. Um, but yeah, the coach takes 12 hours, train takes 11 to 12 hours. So you're not just popping How down. How does the train take as long as the bus? Yeah, because the tracks are, I'm allowed to say shit house because yeah. FBI, the tracks are terrible um, and the trains are old. So you, it, the to do a sort of fast train, you need there to be actually super awesome. Speedy. Tracks that are not yeah. bumpy and not, uh, you know, sharp corners and all that sort of stuff. Uh, and then obviously you need the trains that can do it. So, you know, um, for a long time in Australia, like pretty much every time a federal election rolls around, some politicians get up and say, hey, we should be doing something about a very fast train yeah. down the East Coast. Well, what's going on with that? Yeah. So big fat, not much at the moment still, right? So at the moment that the We've just got to a point where the current federal government has split $20 million across three kind of corporate consortia to come to them with proposals for elements of very fast train network down the East Coast. Um, and those consortia are due to report back to the government um, pretty much now-ish, really. So that's all kind of happening, but like we've been talking about it for decades and there's something holding it back. And obviously a big part of the something is cost. Mm -hmm. um, you know, it's not going to be a cheap exercise to actually buy up the land and then install this amazing fast train network. Um, but there's been some good, interesting modelling recently saying that maybe actually this isn't so crazy and we should be able to do it. Um, so beyond zero emissions, particularly if people are interested in this, you should go check out their report about a very fast train, like basically a sort of Brisbane to Melbourne option. Um, they're estimating about $80 billion total cost, which is, you know, a crazy lot of money until you think that we've just spent like $20 billion on WestConnex in mm. Sydney here. So it's a lot of money, but they reckon that even if you set the ticket prices um, a bit lower than the current plane prices, so you make it cheaper, you make it as fast. So they're saying Sydney to Melbourne would be like three hours and uh, you actually capture a bit of the value of the land around the new train stations that would like be going up in price, they reckon it'd pay for itself in 40 years, which for a big infrastructure project like this, 
is not like crazy time length, right? There are lots of big infrastructure projects that take that long to pay for themselves. So we've got to get with the program. My, we've got to make it happen. Yeah, I know. My mind just slipped to the world that we'd live in with three right. <laughs> Yeah. And so, you know, and this is the thing, like Anthony Albanese, it's sort of interesting because he's been one person on the Labor side of politics that's been pushing this for a long time. And, you know, he makes the point as well, which is so true, that, like, imagine what this would not only do for our experience of how connected Sydney and Melbourne would feel, say, but, like, what would it do for places like Goulburn and Albury um, and, you know, the Wang, Wangaratta, like, places where a train might stop? Like, it would make them just super connected mm. to, um, you know, the cities. It would make it possible for people to Jobs. <laughs> live in some of those regional yeah. areas and still have that connection to the city if they need it. So, yeah. Well... It's a, it's a long time of coming. It so is. at the moment we're stuck with uh, coach and bus. Mm-hmm. And we're going to talk a bit more about that. Uh, I want to know about your experiences on the coach and bus between Sydney and Melbourne. If you've had any good times, any bad times. Yep, let us know. 0409-945-945 is the number to text. All right, we've got a track selected by... Professor Kurt Iverson. FBI Radio. Large selection. Yeah. By Kurt Iverson, who's in here for Down to Earth. That was Night Train by James Brown. We're chatting trains right now and lack thereof uh, a fast train. Mm. Um, And we're only stuck with two options at the moment to get between... Mm-hmm. Sorry, there's more than two options. There's right. quite a few, really. Sure, but that's it. <laughs> Other than the plane, they're all about 12 hours. Yes. There's no faster way to do it. Yes. You can drive, you can hitch, you can ride a coach, catch a train. You could walk. Well, good luck. Yeah, see you later. <laughs> yeah. Um, so between, I want to talk about the coach and the train, and the train mm-hmm. is the XPT service. Yeah, and so, you know... The, the train that runs, you've got your options that you can catch a day train or a night train, effectively. Um, and uh, particularly the daytime service is quite a bit cheaper than flying. But, um, yep, 12 hours and it's on an XPT. And, like, I'm, you know, an old bugger and the XPTs were, like, brand new and exciting when I was a kid. So they're not, like, super duper funky fresh new technology by any stretch. Um, and... Yeah, look, even if you compare, like I had some, you know, friends uh, who were actually on holiday in Australia from the UK a little while ago, and they kind of caught trains all over the place to get around the country while they were here. Obviously, they'd flown here, but then they... And uh, one of the things is it's um, simultaneously comfortable, and like if you're into, you know, slow travel, kind of quite glorious, but no Wi-Fi know things that they had sort of got to be assuming were pretty basic fare on a train that they would catch in England, like between Manchester and London, say, you know what I mean? Like just some, yeah. I mean, yeah, it's pretty crazy doing some long bus trips in Romania. They had, they had Wi-Fi in Romania. Oh, there you go. So there you go. There you have it. New South Wales trains get with the program. So, and the coaches, like the coaches are a bit more up to date in that sense than the trains, right? So, you know, you've got your USB ports and you've got your Wi-Fi on the bus and all that sort of stuff. So, um, you know. So buses are more upgraded. Yeah. But, um, you know, what the train does have, uh, as I experienced recently, which is that if you want to sort of not take up a whole day of travel, but like do it overnight, um, 
you can, for roughly the same price as kind of peak hour flights between Sydney and Melbourne, you can get a sleeper berth on the XPT and have a bed. Why isn't it cheaper? <laughs> yep. Um, they should make that competitive, surely, or, well, or ch- a cheaper option. Yeah. So you've really, that's it. As you say, you're definitely not catching the sleeper to save money. Um, you're doing it because you don't like flying for yeah. whatever reason um, or because you like the romance of the sleeper berth action on a... <laughs> I've got a text from Bernie and Bernie hated it. <laughs> Bernie, oh, Bernie says... what's up? Bernie said, Hi, guys. I once caught the XPT from the Gold Coast to Sydney, which starts as a coach to Murray Willembar. Murray Willembar. The train overnight to Hornsby and changed to go down the North Shore line. I think that took about 12 hours and I was jet-lagged as I got no sleep. Never again. It was one of the most depressing things that I've ever done. <laughs> oh, all right. You've lived quite a joyous life then, Bernie. <laughs> <laughs> no, no. Well, I can kind of see it, right? So, like, my experience of it was, on the one hand, like, these births are pretty, you know, funky in a kind of old way, old school way, right? So, you know, you get the nice comfy seats in a little cabin in your, you know, sleeper carriage. Uh, and then at the appointed hour, the, like, attendant comes through and flips down these beds from the wall. So you're sharing your sleeper berth with somebody else, potentially. Um, you know, I had quite nice people to share it with um, there and back. So that was all good. And, like, here's the thing about it. I don't know whether this was Bernie's experience, but mine was. The beds were comfy, and, you know, you got a little snack pack. Somebody bought some tea and toast for you in the morning for breakfast. All that was great. There's even a shower on the XBT, so you can kind of have a shower in the morning and hop off the train all funky fresh. But... um, Well, I think as well Bernie wasn't doing a direct, and I think Bernie started off in a bad place, which was the Gold Coast, so... (laughs) I'm not going to go there. That's just, like... Anti-Queensland discrimination oh, or something. Oh, no, anti-Gold Coast. Uh, yep. Right. Um, but look, let's get back onto the positives yeah. of the XPT. I found out something very exciting, mm-hmm. and it's made me want to catch the XPT train down to Melbourne. And it's the fact um, someone was telling me yesterday that you can take your bicycle... Mm-hmm. To the train station, so you ride into Central, yeah, and then you just have to get there in time to pack down your bike into a box, and it's about ten fifteen dollars extra. You put your bike in a box, and they put it in the cargo, and then you get into Melbourne, you unpack your bike, you put oh. it all together, and you're in the middle of the city with a bike. With a bike, that's so awesome. Because I got to say that was one of the things that I did really like about the train thing right was just hopping on at central and then getting off at spencer street in melbourne meant that you didn't have to deal with the whole airport transit craziness so even in terms of costs like it's probably cheaper straight up in that sense because you're not having to pay the extra like 15 bucks to catch a train to the airport at this end or the extra 15 bucks on the bus at that end um but yeah that's awesome imagine yeah just rocking up and having a bike in the middle of melbourne that's great um the only thing that would worry me about doing that is that, like, I have to say, when I got off the train, it had been so, like, rickety oh, you... that I felt like, you know, when you get off a boat that's been, like, in a rough sea and you still feel like you're standing on land, but you still feel like you're, like, on the ocean going backwards and forwards? I had a bit of that, I have to say, for an hour or so, because 
Um, as I say, the bed was comfortable, but actually the tracks are so crappy that the train's just like swinging backwards and forwards, bit of squeakiness because um, the trains are old. So didn't get a whole lot of sleep on the way down. Coming back, I think maybe I was prepared, a bit more expected, actually sleep quite Experience well. of the XPT. Yeah. Speaking of time spent on it, um, I think that's an interesting concept as well. Mm. Um, thinking about, do you need to do this trip? Yeah. And that's the thing about it, right? So if you commit to not flying it and you know that you're going to be spending 12 hours potentially on a sleeper or maybe not just the day before, then it does make you think like, okay, how important is this conference I'm about to go to or how important is that concert I'm going to go down and see or whatever it happens to be that you're traveling for? And like lots of people have got to do it. It's not like an individual choice that everyone can make. Like, you know, if it's a work thing or if it's visiting a relative or whatever, like you got to make the trip, you got to make a trip. Um, but yeah, uh, I guess it does force you to think about that travel differently. And the thing that lots of the no fly or the fly less people are talking about is actually just sort of building that travel time into your expectations and making it part of the the mm. trip rather than just thinking about the travel as this kind of transactional thing that like you get from A to B and then your trip starts. It's like actually... It's a journey. It's a journey. And, you know, what can you do with that 12 hours? And actually, maybe not having Wi-Fi on the train ought to be one of those things that we can look at as, like, imagine, like, to me anyway. That's it. That's what people I are actually paying for bloody now. loved having 12 hours <laughs> and being pretty much, like, switched off, mm. unplugged, um, you know, no problem, right? Because, uh, so, yeah, I think thinking about all that stuff is what we're going to have to do. And just, like, thinking even more deeply about how different, like, ways that our society is organized kind of just assume that we can just pop on a plane and be somewhere in an hour and it's like a if we want to maintain that expectation then we're going to have to not do it by plane we're going to have to actually invest in the trains and we need um, to give be more giving with people's time yeah yeah that's it we've got to actually rethink the expectations about traveling and it's kind of like sort of matches up with the discussions about cars in cities you know that in a way that we sort of now our, our cities are so dependent on the idea that you can for so many people hop in a car and you know, zoom around the city like that. We have to rethink city we've got life. To rethink we've got to time, rethink, man. <laughs> we got, yeah, we've got to rethink like time space relations, mm, man. Yeah. Yeah. There's some <laughs> heavy geography to end on. Oh, Kurt, thank you so much for coming in. Well, thanks for having me again, Eddie. This podcast is produced by FBI Radio in Sydney. Find more at fbiradio.com slash podcasts.